On today's episode, we will talk about key six in the Major Arcana, The Lovers. This is a beautiful card in our tarot practice and might also be asking us to make some important choices in our lives. So let's get to it. On Crystalline Knowledge Tarot, I'll share all things tarot with a little bit of social science, a large dose of feminism, and a sprinkling of mysticism to show how tarot can be used for learning, self-development, and collective liberation. There are many perspectives on the practice of tarot and how to read and interpret the cards. This is my perspective, not the perspective, and I respect the many tarot journeys that people are on. This is how I practice and the lens I bring. Hi friends, welcome back to the show. Uh, Today's episode is all about the lovers, which is key six in the major arcana. I want to start this episode by talking about the number six in the tarot. So across the major and minor arcana, the number six is going to represent themes like harmony, integration, uh, maybe a little bit of regrouping, even victory. Uh, For example, the victory parade depicted in the Six of Wands. In the case of the lovers, we can think about harmony and integration with others in relationship, not necessarily romantic, with a cause or with ideas or even beliefs. And when we integrate the lessons of the lover's card, we get out of our own way to receive love and give in a bit to our attraction and our passions, maybe, to others, to causes, to community. And in terms of associations, we've been through these before, so I'll go through them pretty quickly. This card is associated with the element of air and the planet Mercury. Mercury is the messenger, uh, the planet of communication and messages of self-awareness, And the lover's card can represent merging with a larger collective consciousness, perhaps. And air, as we have discussed, is active. It's ambitious, it's idealistic, intelligent, thoughtful energy. And keywords for this card include connection, passion, fulfillment, love, of course, union, attraction, partnerships, and choices. In the intro, I mentioned that this card might also be about choices. And we see this reflected in the various depictions of the card, which we'll talk about a little bit later. But another visual in the tarot to look for when you're interpreting the cards is the presence of two things on either side of the card. In this case, it's the two lovers, um, at least in the Rider Waite, Coleman Smith, and other decks based on that version of the card. And we also see it in other major arcana cards, like the chariot, which we'll talk about next episode, and the moon. And of course, all of the twos in the minor arcana. So when we see the presence of two things, two people, two staffs or wands, two pillars, two sphinxes, two wolves, we might think about what the two choices depicted in the card itself represent. Um, So, for example, uh, in some versions of the lover's card, there are actually three people, a man in the center and two women on either side, 
one woman representing a sort of stable, pragmatic choice and the other representing a lusty, sexy, romantic choice. Um, in the Rider Waite Coleman Smith deck, we see Adam and Eve. Eve with the serpent and the tree of knowledge behind her. She looks up to the sky. And Adam with a tree of orange leaves that turn to fire. That spark of progress of moving forward as he looks forward to the future. In other situations, um, we might look to the choices provided on either side of the card. Uh, for example, in a three-card spread, where the card in the middle is something like the lovers, or the two of wands, or the two of swords, or the moon, we might say, what are the two cards on either side of this central card? We are maybe being presented with two options here in the spread. In explaining a little bit about the card, I've already mentioned some of the archetypes that are associated with this card, the most obvious of which being Adam and Eve, the mother and father of humanity, and the carnal choice. And we're told that Eve, of course, made the wrong choice by succumbing to the temptation of the serpent and eating from the tree of knowledge. Yet, I'm, I would push back here a little bit. Why would a woman seeking knowledge and insight be a quote-unquote original sin that is then transmitted to every person born since and has doomed all of humanity uh, to the need for redemption from a savior? This is obviously a very, very simplified summary of the Christian interpretation of the story. And I think, you know, again, I maybe am not the best person to ask about this. I'm not a, a biblical scholar. But I think this story is ultimately one of the need to submit to the will of God. But I've always viewed this parable as being inherently influenced by patriarchal ideas about the danger of women having knowledge and making independent decisions. An argument can be made that by eating the apple, Eve created the possibility for all of the amazing things that have happened in the world since then. All of the joy, the art, the progress, the connection. Eat the apple. And we know that the pursuit of this, of this love, of this knowledge, is seen as important in the fool's journey, as this card trumps the others, including the Hierophant, the Emperor, all of those cards that came before it. Now, in terms of potential shadows, we'd be thinking about being tempted to stray from our commitments, so infidelity, um, uncertainty, a false sense of separation from others, from our relationships, um, leading a sort of dispassionate life in some ways. And I'm going to skip an in-depth analysis of some of the shadow elements of the card, since we will end up talking about them later in the series when we cover the lover's uh, next appearance in the Devil card. So stay tuned. So this is a card about love, about connections, about compassion and integration with others. And it asks us what would we do what would we say? How would we act if we were acting from a place of love and compassion? Compassion and love for ourselves, for our partners, our kids, 
all children, all people, all living things in the collective. Making commitments to our partners, to ourselves, to making the world a better place can bring about a deeper level of insight into the human experience and ultimately a, a feeling of connection. This card has the two, the lovers. But through this work, we can come to see the falsity of duality. Yes, we are different both on the surface in terms of phenotypical characteristics, in terms of things like age, culture, ethnicity, religion, and a host of other things. But fundamentally, we are all connected and bound together. While you, dear listener, and I are, of course, unique special snowflakes, it is that unique conglomeration of essentially human characteristics that we all share that make us the same. We are the same in our uniqueness. And within each of us is the seed of all of us and the liberation of all of us. And I'm reminded of the monk Thich Nhat Hanh's writings on the idea of inter-R. We are not really independent, he says. Rather, we are very deeply connected to all people, to all things. Things inter-R. And this is related to the Buddhist concept of dependent origination or co-arising. Everything that exists is dependent on something else. So Tai, which is teacher, what Thich Nhat Hanh was often called when he was physically on this earth, he gives the idea of in one thing, we can see all other things that made it possible for that one thing to be right here, right now. So for example, in the petal of a flower, we can see the seed of the flower, the roots, the dirt and the grass, the sunshine and rain that enabled the flower to grow, the clouds that held the rain that fell to the ground. All is conditioned by all. We all inter-R. And the lovers can be this integration, this connection, this interbeing. And I also want to say that, yes, this card can absolutely denote romantic, sensual, sexual love. So in a reading, it could be about the querent or the seeker's romantic relationships and partnerships. And, you know, for folks who, who read tarot, this question of love and relationships is often one that comes up. But it can also be about self-love, about integrating mind, body, and soul to harmonize your own human experience. Is this card maybe single, singling that it's time to take care of yourself, to connect with yourself, to show love and affection to yourself? Are those the signals coming from this card or the, the energy coming from this card in the reading? Or is it maybe what is referred to sometimes as agape love, as a form of love and compassion that can be a social force, a love for people, for the environment, for non-human animals, you know, understanding our interconnectedness, as we just discussed, and using this love 
as a basis for social action and social change. So refusing to dehumanize, uh, calling others into your activism, into your work, using this agape love to fuel us when the struggle for liberation is, as it inevitably is, a struggle. Maybe you have the passion, uh, have the commitment, have the connections to push for that radical change that we need or to set yourself on the path that you want or to have the life that you want. But maybe you find yourself dipping into despair, into hatred, anger. I mean, things that are, of course, understandable given the challenges of white supremacist capitalist patriarchy. But I would say draw on this card, meditate on it, and I'll ask again, what would it mean if we created change in our lives and in the world from a place of love? What would it mean if we identified what our passions are and we started working towards them? Okay, so let's close out by going through the imagery of the card and again, a little bit of a, a recap on what this card might be saying to us when we get it in a spread. In terms of the imagery of the card, I've done already quite a bit of this, but in the Rider Waite Coleman Smith card, we see two nude lovers, Adam and Eve, in the Garden of Eden. They are naked standing on green earth with a mountain in the background. Behind the woman is a serpent wrapped around the tree of knowledge, and behind the man is a tree with little flames coming from it. He's looking forward. Uh, she's looking up at the angel that is above. There's a sun in the sky, and beneath the sun is a cloud with the archangel Raphael. So Adam and Eve represent the primeval partnership, and the archangel Raphael represents healing and love. The sun is joy and the mountains are obstacles. But in this case, obstacles that can be conquered through love and connection. So we might be thinking, what are those obstacles? What are those mountains that are behind us? And how can we, through relationship, whether that's with ourselves, with others, how can we conquer those obstacles? And in traditional versions of the card, we see Cupid above the lovers instead of the Archangel Raphael. Um, I'm looking right now at the Tattoo Tarot Ink and Intuition deck. Uh, this is a Marseille-style deck that overall remains very true to the uh, Renaissance-style deck. However, the lovers are reimagined here. They're sort of hipster, rockabilly. Maybe she has a little bit of a finger wave. He has a fade. They're inside a heart, all in the uh, traditional style of tattooing. And above them is Cupid, his arrow shooting down. I love this reimagining of the card, uh, the modern lovers, but keeping the traditional Cupid. So in Roman mythology, Cupid was the child of Venus, the goddess of love, and Mars, the god of war. Cupid was said to have two arrows, uh, one golden-tipped that would make someone fall in love or be filled with desire, and one of lead or, in some tellings, silver 
that made someone feel revulsion uh, or would fall out of love. And here we see that choice, that conflict between uh, balancing conflicts and desire and, and maybe even the danger of extremes, which we'll see repeated again in the Temperance card uh, later on in The Fool's Journey. And in this myth of Cupid, I'm reminded of the imagery in much of the tarot. It isn't necessarily good or bad, but that both possibilities, the aspirational journey or the aspirational element and the shadow element, are present within all of the cards. And so we would want to be thinking, if we're reading for ourselves, what types of questions are we asking? What's going on in our lives? What are the cards around the lover's card, for example? And, and what type of, of energy is being pulled in? So thanks so much for listening to this episode of the show. You can find me at Crystal and Knowledge Tarot on Instagram. I also have a Patreon for listeners who want to support my work and get some additional perks such as a monthly tarot spread delivered to your email. You can find the link to my Patreon in the show notes. Thanks a lot and see you next time.